Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Stunt Show. Uh, I am Daniel Gordon, coming to you live from our satellite studio on Yeshiva University, Wolf Campus. And uh, thank you for joining us here again um, on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, first and foremost, I want to once again thank ZK uh, for making all this possible. I am sitting at Yeshiva University. He's somewhere, I believe, in the holy city of Brooklyn. One of our guests will be somewhere on Long Island. And uh, the magic of, uh, of the Internet and Skype uh, makes this all possible. Second... And as always, uh, if during or after the show you realize that you'd like more Daniel Gordon, please email me at daniel at Seriously, your honest feedback and comments about the show are welcomed and appreciated, and I hope this show will gain its inspiration and content from you, the listeners. Uh, this month, I have the great privilege of being joined by two of my colleagues from Yeshiva University, uh, both of whom do what I wish I did all day, and that is uh, coach one of Yeshiva sports teams. So first, I'll be joined by uh, Coach Ira Miller, who's with me uh, here in the Yeshiva studio. Um, he is the head coach of YU's men's tennis team and YU's first ever NCAA tournament team. Uh, second, I'll be joined uh, via telephone by Coach Elliot Steinmetz, uh, the new head men's basketball coach at Yeshiva. So, uh, Coach Miller, I'm going to read your bio that I put together from the Internet. And uh, if it's on the Internet, it must be true. I added in the part from uh, this last week. So, Coach Ira Miller uh, became Yeshiva men's tennis coach, uh, Yeshiva's men's tennis coach, just five short uh, months ago, I believe. It was in January. Is that correct? And before coming to Yeshiva, he served for th- uh, three different stints as head men's and women's tennis coach at Fairleigh Dickinson University, a Division One program located in nearby Teaneck, New Jersey, a holy city for the Jewish community. Um, uh, Miller also served as the head men's and women's coach at Drew University. Now listen to these accolades. Um, as, col- as a college head coach, Miller coached his respective programs to a combined 16 conference championships. I believe that's now 17. Is that correct? Um, and has earned conference coach of the year honor 16 times, including five Freedom Conference Men's Tennis Awards and one Women's Award while with Drew. He has won the Northeast Conference Coach of the Year six times as coach of Fairleigh Dickinson, including three with the men's and three with the women's teams. He's also named the 2012 ITA Northeast Region Women's Coach of the Year. He was inducted into the Fairleigh Dickinson University's Hall of Fame in 2004, and his 2001 men's tennis team at Drew is in Drew's Hall of Fame. In addition to his college coaching experience, Miller serves as tennis director of the Adidas Tennis Camp in Mawa, New Jersey, Mawa is one of those places I always see on the highway, and I always want to go, but I've never been there, um, so maybe I'll come visit you in your place. Um, Miller's extensive background also includes serving as tennis coach for the Pan American Maccabi Games uh, for the U.S. junior team in Mexico in 1999, and a gold medal-winning coach in the under-16 USTA Zonals in St. Louis um, in 2006. Most recently, Coach Miller was named Skyline Coach of the Year. Uh, this past year, uh, coaching Yeshiva's men's ba- uh, t- tennis team, and he helped guide Yeshiva's men's tennis team to YU's first ever uh, NCAA tournament berth. So welcome to the show, Coach Miller. Thank you very much for having me, Daniel. And thank you so much for being here. I, it's a really exciting time. I, we were talking before, and I said that I'm really a Yeshiva sports fanatic and certainly uh, the boss at the network. Uh, the network is called the Nachum Siegel Network. As I said, and Nachum Siegel is the uh, – is a huge Yeshiva sports fan, so he's kind of jealous that I get to have you on my show. Um, so I guess just we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go backwards a little bit, but, uh, take us through the last, you know, couple of, cu- couple of weeks in the whirlwind that was, uh, making the NCAA tournament. Well, it certainly has been a whirlwind. Uh, the team and, uh, has gotten a lot of attention, uh, both for being the first team to qualify for the NCAA and also because it's the first time the NCAA had to make an accommodation for a team to not play on Saturday. Uh, so um, we've really generated a lot of uh, attention and enthusiasm, uh, daily news, CBS News. I did an interview yesterday with the Jewish Standard since I live in Bergen County in New Jersey. Uh, so it's been great for the team and the school, um, and it, it's 
it's done something that my other teams haven't had. It's elongated the moment. Uh, you know, uh, the, win- the winning moment can be very short-lived. Uh, you know, it t- you get a lot of attention right after and, you know, maybe at your sports banquet and so on. And then it's kind of history. But this moment has really been a long one and the players are still riding high. Yeah, and certainly um, as a member of the university um, team and the university family, it certainly, to me, uh, rings true. And we've we've all been riding high. I actually sign up for something called Google Alerts for Yeshiva University. Every time the words Yeshiva University appear together uh, somewhere in the news, I get an alert, and it's been buzzing. My my email's been buzzing and buzzing with all the with all the hits. And I think the community in general has really taken to it. You mentioned that you were just interviewed for a paper, but in general, I think the Jewish community has taken to the fact that here's a team. That represents a school that represents the community in some ways, and they and you guys made it all the way to the tournament. Have you felt that from the community so far? Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, yesterday talking to the person from the Jewish Standard, which is a Bergen County newspaper. I mean, you could see the pride um, uh, that uh, the community has that uh, we not only excelled, but we also uh, are firm in our beliefs of when we're going to play and when we're not going to play. And uh, you mentioned uh, that you had to get a waiver, that the, that the games wouldn't be on Saturday. And I read that that's something that has to be done well in advance. So I imagine that that's done actually quite often, that the application is made. But for the first time uh, this year, it actually came true. Is that is that how the process works? Well, um, what came out was that um, in the mid-50s, it became an issue with uh, BYU, a Mormon school, Brigham Young, uh, that they wouldn't play on Sunday. So the NCAA established that uh, you can request not to play on a certain day at the beginning of the season. Uh, according to Athletic Director Joe Bednarsh, there was some paperwork that he did check off earlier in the year uh, about us not playing on Saturday. And I guess what was historical about this is that we are the first college team to ever request not to play on Saturday. They've dealt with uh, Sunday adjustments but never had to for Saturday. And that's because throughout the season, you as the coach of the athletic department sets the schedule, but in the tournament, the NCAA sets the schedule. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, our schedule is made by us, so we are. it's easy for us to work around um, you know, not playing on Chavez and or not traveling. Uh, but the NCAA had a very specific schedule for the regional portion of the NCAA tournament, which originally uh, was set for um, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday play if you advance. If you went on Friday, you would play on Saturday. You went on Saturday, you would play on Sunday. So our issue was, well, if we went on Friday, we, we can't play on Saturday unless they made arrangements for it Saturday night. So they did make accommodation for us. They made it Thursday, Friday, Sunday. So we played our first round on Thursday. Had we advanced, we would play on Friday. Uh, if we advanced there, they would have been on Sunday. Since we didn't, they actually did play that last round on Saturday. Oh, on Saturday. And you played against uh, Skidmore College um, in Middlebury. I mentioned to you, Middlebury is rather far. I didn't realize how far it was. But was, what was it like interacting with the folks from Skidmore um, and, and at Middlebury, kind of the people that also had to make the, the adjustments, not only um, we had to make the adjustment, but certainly others had to make it for us as well. What was it like interacting with those teams? Um, none of the other teams really brought it up because uh, the reality is that um, they actually alternate years for the men and women where one year the men are scheduled Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then the women's would be scheduled Thursday, Friday, Saturday. 
So this happened to be the year that it was for the men was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but it's it's not like they're not used to a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So there was no real uh, talk about it once we got there. What was great is that I saw a lot of old friends I hadn't seen in a while from the various other teams that were there uh, participating. So it was a nice reunion for me um, because I, I had been in Division One for the last seven years, but before that I was at Drew, which is Division Three. So I knew a lot of the Division Three coaches. So that's actually a good transition. You you came to Yeshiva from a Division One program and from other Division Three programs, and certainly there are similarities between Yeshiva and other schools, but certainly the differences are also there. So um, why come coach at Yeshiva University? Uh, basically, um, you know, I'd been a men's and women's coach all of my coaching career over 20 years. And the programs that fairly uh, got so successful and so big uh, uh, that it really uh, needed more help. And uh, I felt that um, either I would get more help or it was time for me to look for a one-team coaching job. And I was, you know, with budgets being tight, uh, they couldn't accommodate that. So I, I left. I resigned in 2012, uh, went out with a bang. Both teams qualified for the Division One NCAA tournament. And I uh, was out of coaching for about a year and uh, just uh, happened to see the posting about Yeshiva. And, you know, the timing was right. Um, you know, we practice in a racket club in New Jersey. I live 15 minutes away from. So everything worked out well. And I have no uh, snobbism in terms of whether it's Division One or Three. Um, coaching is coaching and the same elements apply uh, no matter where you're coaching. And uh, there's the same opportunities to develop athletes and excel. So you coach a sport that is either an individual sport or two people playing at a time. So what are the challenges you think of coaching that it's not always, I mean, I don't know how it works, but you're coaching, there are multiple matches going on. So how do you balance focusing on each individual match while focusing on the on the team um, broadly? Well, that's a good question. I mean, initially, really, what you have to start out is what you do in practice or in preseason to help make it a team because you have to work a little harder to find that team chemistry uh, in an individual sport. If you're a soccer or basketball program, there's a certain codependency that happens when you compete, and you know there's a certain chemistry and bonding that's instantly formed. Aside from your doubles partner in tennis, that's a little difficult. So um, we really started first with uh, – I met with the team for about two weeks nightly, uh, where we conditioned and also had uh, like chalk talks and team meetings about and uh, shared a lot of stuff about the game and how, to, how we're going to practice and what our goals are. And that created a certain unit. And uh, in terms of coaching a match, um, doubles is a little easier because there's only three matches going on at the same time uh, and they're right next to each other. Uh, singles is a little harder. And you basically uh, try to keep track of the score and understand who might need your help the most. But you also can't just walk on a court and watch one point and necessarily have something significant to say. You need to understand the patterns uh, that are being played. But sometimes you could just see someone's getting a little agitated and you need to calm them down or whatever. But uh, you really go to where you need it the most. Uh, that's I can only imagine um, what it's like to kind of balance that, especially when there, perhaps there's – two matches that are coming down to that crucial time. You always see in professional tennis, they're yelling from the stands and they're motioning from the stands. So certainly focusing on more than one um, has got to be a challenge. But you seem to be, <laughs> to, to be rather successful at it. So I guess I would ask you, what makes a good coach either in tennis or, or in general? Um, well, I think 
you know, there are certain things that are in general and certain things that apply specifically to tennis. I mean, uh, tennis is a player sport. Uh, it's, you know, uh, you don't make timeouts. You don't change your defense in the middle of a game. You don't uh, make substitutions. So uh, it isn't as uh, dominated by the coaches, some of the other sports. So your uh, biggest job is preparation, is having everybody prepared as well as possible before the match starts, understanding what they need to do, having them ready, having them in shape, um, you know, and uh, from there you, you, you look for the trouble spots, you know, uh, that you can, you know, have something to say. And it's a unique skill because there is no other aspect of tennis uh, aside from college coaching and a little bit in high school that a coach actually can coach during a match. For example, when I was the Maccabi coach, once the match started, I couldn't coach them, uh, which is the rules of professional tennis. Uh, and in high school, you can coach on the changeovers only, but in tennis, you can coach any time in between points as long as you don't stop the flow of play. So uh, I've been around that for so long, I have a very unique skill. A lot of people in the game of tennis don't necessarily have the skill of coaching matches unless you've been a collegiate coach. Amazing. And this year's team also, I think, had some unique aspects where we had some new additions, some transfers. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Um, and uh, that I have to really uh, you know, make sure people do understand that the success, I mean, it, it was good timing that they were able to have an experienced coach come in, but... Uh, credit to the recruiting efforts of Yeshiva for bringing in uh, two uh, Division II transfers that really uh, uh, made the team uh, a whole level of competitiveness better. And then also our third singles player, who's a sophomore, but his first year of college tennis, Stephen Jamal, uh, he was a great addition. So we were we dominated at the top three. Those guys uh, were undefeated in singles, um, you know, all through the regular season and through the uh, Skyline Conference Championship. So that uh, not only gave us some points, but it enabled people who had been playing higher on the team to play lower, and our results showed by winning um, all but one of our regular season matches, 9-0. So it wasn't just the guys at the top, but by them holding down their positions, the guys at the bottom became much stronger. And the same players play singles and doubles? Is that how it works? You do have that option. You're not obligated. You could technically play six players for your singles and another uh, six people for uh, singles, uh, for doubles. Uh, but usually you end up using both because you want your best players out there. And... Uh in terms of practicing, you mentioned the chalk talk and all kind of that stuff in the beginning, but one of the things that's always highlighted about coaching at Yeshiva and playing at Yeshiva is the challenge of the schedule with the dual curriculum and just finding the time to be able to, to fit all this stuff into one day. So what is the weekly tennis schedule practice uh, and, and games like? Well, this was very challenging because um, I was used to um, you know, coaching, preparing, playing matches, having time to prepare you know, based on what I saw. Because, uh, you know, at Fairly we'd play almost every weekend. And then during the week, I'd know what to work on in practice. But uh, we really went through almost the entire month of February without competing. So you you can see things looking fine in practice, but you don't know it's an issue till you see it breaking down in a match. So it was very different because we practiced, 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 and then we started playing, 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 and didn't always have the practice opportunities after that to make the adjustments uh, but you know the, the the team did the uh you know stellar work in terms of managing what 
getting the most out of what we did have. I mean, we would practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights from 9 to 11 p.m., which is a big challenge. You get home late. Uh, Sundays in the afternoon. So there were gaps, you know, in a Division One program, you're usually practicing six days a week. Um, and then also we had our uh, break for uh, Pesach. Uh, so th- it was almost, literally almost two weeks between when we had our last practice. They had the break. Uh, they went home. They came back. We had one practice. Next day we had to compete in the semifinals of the Skyline, which we won on a Thursday. And then we had off Friday, Saturday, and then we had to play in the finals. So... Uh, credit to the team that they retained whatever. I was going to say the matzah doesn't seem to have taken away yeah. um, from the team and from their performance. That's certainly uh, certainly remarkable. Um, so I guess looking to the future, what, what can we expect and what can we hope from uh, from the yeshiva men's tennis team? Well, um, you know the the good news is that uh, we only lose one starter from this year's team. Our captain, number four player Jeremy Seftel, who was a really great captain and a big uh, contributor to the success but we do have our top three players back and our uh, five and six starters as well and um, you know our profile has been significantly raised now that we're an NCAA qualifier so you know there's a lots of opportunity to build from here so that we not only make the tournament next year but look to advance deeper into it well coach um, thank you so much thank you for taking the time out um, to join me, it's certainly an honor um, and a privilege to meet you both for what you've accomplished, but also because um, it's something you, you guys really have been uh, a great bright spot for our community and for the school. And uh, thank you for that. Well, I really appreciate you having me here and, uh, you know, being able to share this wonderful experience with the community. Thank you so much, Coach. So that was Coach Ira Miller, uh, head coach of the Yeshiva men's uh, tennis team. And I want to thank Coach Miller again um, for joining us, the uh, the first ever NCAA berth. And uh, switching gears, we are going to now be joined by uh, somebody who's no stranger to uh, Jewish sports, Jewish athletics, and certainly Yeshiva athletics, and that is Coach Elliot Simetz. Um, I cut down Elliot's bio a little bit, so I'm going to try to read as quickly as possible, uh, but certainly his accolades speak for themselves. So Coach Elliot Steinmetz was recently, in um, the last few weeks, appointed as head men's basketball coach of Yeshiva University's men's basketball team. Prior to his appointment, Elliot served as the head coach of the boys' varsity basketball team at the North Shore Hebrew Academy High School in Great Neck, New York. Throughout his time at North Shore, Elliot's teams achieved great success, including division and league titles, and this, including this season's title, and invitations to YU's Bernard Red Sarachek tournament. Prior to taking the coaching position at North Shore, Elliot spent five years um, as the head coach at Hank in Uniondale. During his five years at Hank, the team made three trips to the semifinals, two to the championship game, and they won the school's first ever championship. Hank also was invited to the Saratech tournament twice, and they reached the championship game both times. In 2010, Elliot was appointed coach of the United States 18-under uh, team for the Maccabi International Games in Australia, bringing a team with an unprecedented majority of Jewish high school players from around the country. Elliot's United States team struck gold, defeating Australia in the gold medal game. Elliot has also been a guest lecturer and panelist on various topics involving sports um, all over the country, including in 2011 as the keynote at the Cooper Yeshiva Basketball Tournament in Memphis. From 2003 to 2008, Elliot developed and ran JV Elite Basketball. Uh, I was certainly the beneficiary of that program uh, before ultimately selling the program, and to date he maintains and runs the JewishHoopsAmerica.com website. Prior to becoming a coach, Elliot played college basketball for Yeshiva University under Coach Jonathan Halpert from 1999 to 2002. And in high school, he played for Rambam Masifta, where his teams won both 
the Metropolitan Yeshiva High School Athletic League and Sarachek Tournament Championships in 1997. Elliot also led the league in scoring in 1998. Elliot is on the board of NTSY New York. We founded and chairs uh, the annual fundraising basketball tournament, uh, a one-day tournament that raises almost $100,000 annually in sponsorships. He also serves on the board of Maccabi USA as well as the Hewlett Woodmere Little League. How am I doing so far, Elliot? <laughs> I think it's enough. Last paragraph. Elliot is an attorney licensed in both New York and Connecticut and currently works as the Senior Vice President Associate General Counsel, uh, I think, at Seneca Mortgage Servicing in New York. We are responsible for managing the company's litigations and corporate legal matters. He is a father and a husband as well, um, but that certainly uh, should have been at the top. So uh, welcome to the show, Coach Steinmetz. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, Daniel. So, Elliot, like I said, you and I go way back, so certainly um, I'm going to hold uh, – None of my none of my tough ones back. But uh, your bio was long, and there's lots on your plate. So I guess the first question for the general audience is, how do you balance all that? Well, when I was younger, my father actually said to me, uh, I actually still remember we were driving in the car, and we were, I was talking about, you know, he was working at the time uh, a lot of late hours and still managing to get to our games and, and take care of a bunch of different things. And I remember asking him why he was able to do it. And his his uh, his words became kind of advice and something that I've, I've always passed on, which is, um, if you want to, if you want to get something done, you find the busiest person to do it. Uh, usually, those are the people who are able to make time and, and figure out how to get things done. Um, the other part of it is the other part of it is you read all those things. Those are all things I love doing. So uh, you know, when when you love something, you make time to do it. And certainly, uh, the basketball and, and obviously family and uh, and the different uh, the different boards, whether it's NCSY or, or Little League, you know, that my kids are involved in. It's all stuff that I love being a part of. So I've you know done my best over the years to try to figure out a way to do them all uh, and try to do them well, hopefully. Well, I certainly appreciate that. And I mentioned to Coach Miller, uh, who was on before you, that you guys get to do what I wish I could do, um, and uh, and that is coach one of Yeshiva's uh, sports teams. So you were uh, appointed um, after what was a long process. I was part of that, and I certainly appreciate what you went through. Um, and so it's just been a few weeks, and how's it, how has it been going so far? Can you update us on the state of Yeshiva men's basketball? Sure, it's uh, it's been great. It's certainly an honor, obviously, to uh, to get the appointment and to be involved in the university. Um, the last few weeks have been really very busy. We've kind of hit the ground running. Uh, had an opportunity to meet with the returning players last week. It's a great bunch, a great group. Um, you know, certainly I have the uh, the the benefit of following obviously a legend and someone who taught the game extremely well, and I get to kind of slide in. And while I have big shoes to fill, I certainly have a path that's been you know trailblazed for me which is which is certainly nice and makes it a little easier to uh to step in and, and try to do that job uh, we are we're recruiting right now you know we're not allowed to do much in terms of basketball activity pretty much nothing at all uh but we are certainly recruiting and uh trying to bring in you know a few players to help round out the team for the next couple of years so speaking of recruiting uh you know bringing in uh again i not that not to combine too much of the guests, but I think it's important because we, we all kind of do the same business. So we were talking to Coach Miller, and Coach Miller spoke about how they got two transfers who came in from Division II programs who really were able to sit at the top of the tennis team and kind of carry them and slide people back into place. So when when recruiting for Yeshiva, what is that like? You go out and you meet all kinds of people from all kinds of you know different walks of life, and uh, each one of them obviously has a, a different different needs academically, socially, um, and Yeshiva fits a niche. But uh, beyond the niche that we always identify with, how have you found kind of selling Yeshiva to the broader community? Yeah, I mean, so far it's been good. It's, uh, you know, it, it really, it's, 
there's a diverse Jewish world out there, and there's a diverse amount, you know, diverse kind of student athlete out there as well. And and the goal is to really kind of go after, you know, all of them and and see what we can bring in. And and in terms of selling the university, the university makes it kind of easy. It's a it's a top academic institution. It's in New York City, and it provides a tremendous Jewish educa- Jewish education for you know, student-athletes from all walks of Jewish life. So the, the selling points are kind of easy. Uh, you know, the challenges certainly are to try to bring in the higher-level players who are, you know, perhaps looking at Division One scholarships or Division Two scholarships and, and certainly, you know, some very, very good universities. Uh, but, you know, the, the key is to get out there early to, uh, you know, impress them with our story. And I have to tell you, Coach, Coach Miller is hopefully making it a little easier for us when we're able to send out the success that the tennis team has had over the course of the year. You know, obviously following him in an interview is a lot of pressure, but uh, you know, bring, bring, being able to use that story and, and talk to potential student-athletes and, and you know, show them what our athletic department at the university is, is doing and the success that we're having, it really, you know, it, really, it really sells very well to those who are you know, considering yeshiva as a, as a potential option. So you and I have spoken about this um, a lot, and that is kind of the role of the basketball team and the role of yeshiva in the broader world. And, and you touched upon a little bit that there's a broader um, community out there, and you and I certainly share our passion for basketball and that the game can bring all kinds of things together. But as you know, you begin your tenure as coach of the of the YU basketball team, what do you see the role of the basketball team kind of in the broader Jewish world, both in the YU world as we define it, but also beyond? Yeah, I think it's important that we, you know, we set an example in, in, in a number of ways. You know, listen, the, you know, obviously we have the the Yeshiva League in the, in the uh, local New York, New Jersey area, which certainly feeds, you know, feeds into YU both in terms of student athletes as well as just the general students. Uh, you also have, you know, what I would call the the Sarachek expanded yeshiva teams, which is, you know, the yeshivas that are involved, the other Jewish day schools that are out there, uh, teams that, you know, schools that are generally sending to YU. And I think we have a certain responsibility to help on, on the athletics level, on the basketball level, to help, you know, find ways to develop those players and develop those coaches and develop those teams and, and, and bring them to a new level, you know, both athletically and then certainly in terms of what they're striving for academically. I think a little broader, you know, if you go out and you're looking into the, you know, maybe perhaps the non-observant world or, 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 or Jewish athletes that are in, in public schools or in other private institutions and you want to be able to show them a successful program. And, you know, it, it's almost like the old saying, right, the Jews are supposed to be a light unto the nations. So, so Yeshiva University needs to be the same thing even within our own people and, and kind of in, in every area, whether it's basketball, whether it's academics, whether it's, you know, tennis, whether it's uh, pre-law or, or debate. You know, there, there has to be a way for, for Yeshiva University to kind of set an example for the, for the greater Jewish world, for, for the high schools and down, uh, gives the, give, gives the athletes and gives the students something to strive towards and, 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 and aim for, uh, and also sets an example up at the top. Absolutely. You're certainly preaching to the choir, um, on that one. So you talked about, um, building a successful program, but I guess you've achieved so much so far. Um, you're a young guy. You've achieved so much. So w- what do you think are the keys to success both in building the program? Um, you, you, you touched on them, but in general, um, for the broader audience beyond the basketball court to achieving success. Sure. I think it's a few things, and, uh, you know, we've actually spoken, you know, certainly spoken about them in the past, and, uh, and, and I think it's really just a few things that, that can lead to success in, in really all areas, but certainly in basketball. I think it's certainly communication, um, it's respect, 
it's uh, it's investment, right? People who are invested in something and care about something tend to put in more. Uh, you know, communication is important. People need to communicate, whether it's teammates, whether it's teammates and coaches, whether it's coaches and the administration of a school. Everyone needs to be able to communicate. Uh, you know, respect is important, obviously, amongst teammates and coaches, but also you have to respect your opponent and respect the world around you and be able to adjust to it and, and adapt to it. Uh, there's trust. There's collective responsibility. And then, obviously, the uh, the toughest one for a lot of people is uh, certainly selflessness. It's the the ability to really put a bigger goal and, and a team or, or or some other concept ahead of just your own accolades and what you're trying to achieve. And uh, I think if you're able to conquer all of those things and have all those characteristics, you know, whether whether it's a basketball team or a university or or some kind of uh, greater organization or goal, it's uh, it's certainly a recipe for success. That certainly certainly is true. And when you see Kind of the way in which a team comes together, it's always a beautiful thing. I guess the question um, is, you're you're taking on a college uh, job now, and, and something you touched upon before that many people don't have an appreciation for is the challenges of bringing together um, a college team, both because of all different kinds of motivations and different kinds of schedules, as well as um, you know different different regulations within the NCAA. So you mentioned, for example, that you know there's no contact or no basketball contact. Uh, for a while, so you've only really experienced those challenges for a couple of weeks. But looking forward, uh, how do what do you think those challenges are, and how do you expect to uh, to to in spite of them, or you know, using those um, perhaps as an as an opportunity to to continue to build the team as a unit? It's definitely challenging. I, I mean, you know, I'm I'm used to certainly in the high school world. By by now, I have my guys for next year playing in the spring league and probably practicing a couple of times a week. Uh, you know, we certainly go into the school year, and whatever day school starts is the day we start practice. Uh, you know, I look at the schedule now. We start games, I believe, November 16th next year, and we're not allowed to start practice till October 15th. So essentially, we have a month to prepare. The other side of it is we obviously get to practice a lot more often. We'll get to practice at Yeshiva six days a week. Um, you know, obviously taking out the Jewish holidays. Uh, whereas in the high school world, we were practicing two to three days a week. So it gives us a little bit extra in terms of that month to prepare, and it allows me to kind of have the summer to uh, to do what's necessary to start to make the adjustments. There's no question there's going to be an adjustment from the high school game to the college game in, in a lot of ways. But I think the answer to that and the challenge, you know, that you're obviously putting out there, I think the, the answer to that is, is the answer to any challenge. It, it's hard work and preparation. Uh, you know, if I'm willing to spend the summer watching game film from every Skyline game from last you know, from the last couple of years or from last year, certainly, whether not just Yeshiva games but other games and start to really catch up to what the college game is and, and, and the differences and, and start to understand what the teams that we face do, if I'm able to put in that work and put in that time, it'll allow me to kind of break that learning curve a lot quicker than it would be if I wasn't willing to put in that time. So I think Absolutely. the answer, like anything else, is just hard work and time. Absolutely, and certainly, I, as I said before, you, you seem to make the most of all this, um, of the limited 24 hours in a day. Um, and you, you, you coached uh, in high school and you've played at, at high school and, and college and all different levels. You've clearly come in contact with or read about or seen or watched on TV uh, different different coaches. So who is kind of in your coaching um, mentor list, whether it's actually personally or just people that you think that you take things from? Oh, is it the name-dropping portion of the segment? No, no, I, listen, if you, if you can name drop all the power to you, I mean, I would say that I watch as many Duke basketball games as I can, but I, I wish I could meet Mike Krzyzewski. So if you've actually I, met them, that's certainly, uh, I, I have not met Mike Krzyzewski. I, I did send Mike Krzyzewski an email about a year and a half or two years ago, and I offered to, uh, I offered 
very, very generously offered him assistance as uh, part of the you know USA men's basketball program. I never got a response. Uh, so, <laughs> well, maybe, well, maybe now if you take the Yeshiva team to a Division three title, you know, things will change. Right, we'll, wor- we'll worry about it then. Uh, no, I mean, I, there's, I've over the years between the, um, between the basketball camp that I ran, which you mentioned, and, and the uh, experience I've been able to have with Maccabi USA, which has really been tremendous. I, I've had the opportunity to really get to, you know, meet and know a couple of coaches, whether they're at the, uh, the NBA level or at the, you know, Division one or, or, or two or three level. For that matter, uh, you know, a few of them that have been very, very helpful and, and guys that I'm talking to, you know, certainly the last couple weeks and going forward uh, would be, a, you know, who's a guy who's become a really good friend of mine is uh, Yanni Huffnagel, who uh, just recently took he left Vanderbilt and took the assistant coaching job at the uh, University of California. Um, you know, probably the top recruiter in the country right now at the Division One level and very sought after. Uh, and, you know, I've been lucky enough to have him as a friend for the last couple of years and be able to call him for recruiting advice and, you know, how to handle certain recruits, how to, you know, how to handle general recruiting. And, and that's been a big, very big plus for me. Hopefully he has a couch for you to stay on on the West Coast. <laughs> that's right. And then, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, Joe Jones, who's uh, the head coach at Boston University, uh, is uh, certainly a guy I've been able to talk to and, and go to practices occasionally and, and, and see how he runs them. A little easier to go to practices when he was coaching Columbia University than it is now that he's at, at BU. But, uh, you know, still uh, still somebody I've been able to kind of look to and, and talk to. And then on the uh, pro level now, uh, one, one of the hotter names in, uh, in Israeli basketball is uh, Coach Brad Greenberg, who coaches in uh, Jerusalem um, at the uh, Paul Jerusalem team, which is the one that was in the news because uh, Mari Stoudemire bought a piece of it, you know, last year. And says uh, he may go play there. I heard. Is that true? <laughs> that I wouldn't know. That I, I wouldn't know. You, I thought you I'm would sure, have I'm sure scoop. Coach Greenberg would love that, though. <laughs> well, well, maybe. Listen, he never went to college, so perhaps there's a place. Although maybe when you play professionally, you lose your NCAA eligibility. But maybe we can work on getting him to come to Yeshiva. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that, I think he. Uh, I think his contracts probably. Uh, go past the just basic expenses stage and probably uh, pass on into uh, salary and therefore, <laughs> I would imagine, be uh, ineligible. Absolutely. So um, you also certainly have the playing experience, and one of those things that we, uh, you know, that I highlighted is that you played for Yeshiva. So being a former player who has an appreciation for kind of the schedule and all the other social and other types of challenges that come into play, um, what do you expect to be able to to, to, to bring to the table, to give to the players, to, to impart on them uh, from that experience that hopefully they can take uh, something on and uh, off the court. Uh, I think this is something that I was lucky enough to really learn from Coach Alpert over the years that I played for him. Uh, it's, it's the ability to understand and the ability to understand why those guys are there and what their goals are and, uh, you know, what their priorities are. You know, basketball is certainly a priority for them, but, you know, Sometimes learnings first, and sometimes academics are first, and sometimes families first, and and you have to figure out a way to understand those things and schedule around it. Uh, one of the things we're going to hopefully be doing this year is changing our practice schedule. In the past, the team has practiced at nights, uh, which often you know leads to conflicts, obviously with classes. And and Coach Alpert was able to really work it out. I remember when I was playing, he was really able to work it out so that. We didn't really miss much in terms of classes or practice, which was an amazing thing, and it, you know, certainly meant late night practices. One of the things we talked about at our meeting, uh, the team meeting I had last week, was whether it would be easier to have early morning practices. And, uh, you know, certainly, 
the the idea of being able to daven on time and get to their morning seders on time all that stuff came up and we were able to kind of pick a time that worked for everybody and you know the goal going forward is to be able to get in a bunch of 6:30 a.m. practices during the week that will allow guys to have labs at night and not have to worry about rushing to practice and being exhausted from the day of academics and then be able to go back if they want to to learn more at night or study <laughs> That's, I, I, I guess, uh, you know, you talked about all the people that you, uh, that you can call for advice. I'm not sure they can give you the advice on working, uh, working practice around davening, but I could be wrong. That's probably correct. <laughs> um, you also, something, uh, that I, I didn't mention in your bio, but that, uh, I know is that you have, a, a son who's quite the athlete. Um, is that true? I have a couple of sons who are pretty athletic, but my older one is probably the one you, uh, have seen on certain videos. Yeah, I, on YouTube, and uh, so so, what does he do? And uh, and you know, can you kind of shed some light on that? Uh, sure. Jacob is uh, ten years old, turning eleven this summer. He um, is playing on a recruited select travel team out in uh, Eastern Long Island, which has been I can't even describe how much fun to watch and how exciting to be a part of. Uh, but it's you know, high level hardball at the uh, age of ten. You have kids throwing mid-60s and uh, leading, stealing, uh, all, all the good stuff about baseball that you get to watch uh, on TV, except uh, it's your own kid, which makes it a thousand times more fun. That's that's certainly amazing, and I guess uh, there's there, there are certainly the challenges that uh, we had uh, our first child about eight weeks ago, and one of the things I'm I'm concerned about, not concerned, I, I certainly hope to coach him uh, throughout his life, but one of the things I'm worried about is the difference between being the coach and being the parent on the sideline. So uh, how do you balance that challenge, especially because coaching is such a big part of your life? You know, it's funny, you have the, you have the classic baseball parents, of course, out there, and, and while they're entertaining, sometimes they're scary. Uh, I found that being a coach... Uh, it, it gives you a different perspective on it. First of all, it gives you a different perspective on the job that the coaches are doing with the kids, and, and you know it really makes you step back before you criticize or, or think negatively of anything they're doing. Uh, and, and, and the funny part is, uh, you know, two of, two of the parents on this team are, are coaches. You have myself, who at the time, you know, when we started, was a high school coach, and now lucky enough to move up and be a college coach. And then one of the other parents is actually a head football coach at a pretty big high school out on Long Island. Um, and uh, the two of us kind of have a very similar view of of the of the games and of you know the interaction that the parents should have, and we both seem to be very kind of laid back and enjoying the games and watching, and certainly coaching our own children, you know, off to the side when the games are over, but not interfering at all with the coaches and you know the practices and the games. And uh, it kind of I think the respect that we probably have having you know going through it and being coaches ourselves probably makes it a little easier to be a so-called baseball parent than uh, than than it might be usually. Yeah, so so that won't be I guess the, you have the appreciation for sitting on both sides. So that's certainly is something that uh, that that has done you well and will do you well. Um, yeah, you know what I've started to do. I've started to actually video his games, which you know obviously you've seen a couple of the uh, the highlights that that have been out there. But uh, I, I, found, I find that if I'm not videoing, then I start to pace back and forth while I'm watching the game because you get nervous watching your own kid. It's like the greatest thing in the world is when your kid's the starting pitcher, and also the worst thing in the world is when your kid's the starting pitcher. It goes both ways. But I found that when I video the games, it forces me to kind of sit in a seat and just pay attention. And that's it. 
So that's a great parenting tip. So for all those parents listening out there, if you go to your kids' games, always tape the game. Um, although I found I used to tape uh, my my brother's games in high school. And the biggest challenge is when you have the camera going and, and a big play happens, you look over the camera and you lose focus. Uh, so when the big I've uh, gotten very good at it. The other really great part about it is you know the camera's going. You got to watch what you say. <laughs> That's also true. That's certainly true. Um, and the cameras are always rolling uh, on the sidelines as well. That's something that you see. So, yep. so uh, I'm sure that you're well uh, well versed in that. So, speaking of just coaching in general, um, we uh, I asked Coach Miller the same question. What what in your mind do you think makes a good coach, either basketball general or uh, you know beyond? I think a good coach is is one who can. I mean, obviously, there's winning, and winning is important. But I think it's someone who can bring the lessons of the game into real life. Certainly at this level. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, high school kids, college kids, they're not professionals, and they should not be treated like professionals. They should be treated like adults, and they should be disciplined when they need to be disciplined. And they should learn lessons, and they should be encouraged. I think the the key is really, you know, enthusiasm, positivity, and encouragement. I think that the players need to understand that everything that they're doing has to be something that's, you know positive um you know obviously you encounter discipline and you encounter diversity but it's important that you know the the first reaction to uh to adversity you know it shouldn't it shouldn't be it should be a stressful reaction it should be a positive reaction it should be an understanding of what occurred and then trying to find a positive way to correct it moving forward uh and i think if you can kind of bring that lesson into the game it really affects the way these you know student-athletes and in and, and, and terms of high school players, the kids, really move on onto the next levels of their lives into whether it's a you know graduate school or, or a career or, or whatever their next stage is, and they can go in with a certain amount of posit- positivity and understand that when they face a problem or they face a certain adversity, the, the reaction doesn't have to be stress. The reaction can really be a positive reaction and, and, a, and a you know an encouraging or, or positive way to figure out the problem and, and make something work. That's a basketball lesson, I think, that... You know, it's both basketball, but but it's one of them that people don't often carry on to life. I think when you watch um, a basketball game in general, especially uh, at the at the more junior levels and younger, right? So the game gets out of hand. Usually, we say when when the ball is going back and forth and the ball is being turned over and, and the game is losing control. And the question is, what do you do when the game is losing control or when light or when the game is not being dictated as you want to see? And oftentimes, I think. When you, you know, both of us having played the game, but certainly you've coached and I coached a little bit in high school, when you can say, this is how you overcame it, and now take that off the court and say, life is going to throw you curveballs, and life is not always going to be dictated the way you want. Also, you may turn over the ball, you may mess up in life, but the question is, how do you overcome that to either win the game, so that over the course of time, you know, the mistakes are made up for, and you can can correct them, or so that you learn from them, so that you're more prepared for the future? Absolutely. It's five P's. Right, pride, passion, poise, purpose, and positivity. Yeah, you have pride in what you're doing. You have passion about what you're doing. It really allows you to kind of invest in it and succeed. Uh, you got to have poise. You got to be able to kind of stay cool under pressure, uh, control your emotions. You know, really control your passion to an extent. Uh, you got to have purpose in everything you're doing. Right, one thing at a time. Make sure you're, you know, everything you're doing is done with a certain goal in mind and a certain purpose. And then what I mentioned before is positivity. You gotta really, you know, the game is supposed to be fun. Life is supposed to be enjoyable. You gotta find positive ways to go ahead and accomplish things. You, you uh, that is certainly words of wisdom. Uh, keep those five P's on the bulletin board. You're listening to the uh, stunt show here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Daniel Gordon, and I'm joined by the newly appointed uh, head men's basketball coach at Yeshiva University, um, Elliot Steinmetz. We're talking all things basketball, life, uh, and all the things that fall between, um, there. So, you, you know, you're only a few weeks in, but I guess 
as people who love the game, certainly I, I love the game and I love Yeshiva sports and, and Yeshiva basketball and Nachum, whose, you know, name is on this network, loves, uh, love, loves Yeshiva sports and loves basketball. So the question is, what can we expect and looking forward, kind of, you know, what should the public expect from the basketball team and, uh, both over the next, uh, season, two seasons and, uh, and in the future and beyond? Well, I think the uh, the goal obviously is to be able to win as many games as we can. You know, that's certainly from the competitive aspect. We we want to you know bring in players and 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 bring up players who uh, we can develop and and kind of uh, you know improve and 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 start to really you know be a threat in in the conference and and ultimately you know follow in the footsteps of what the tennis team has accomplished and, and win the Skyline Conference and and be able to go to the uh, NCAA tournament for the first time. Um, you know, but more importantly, on a larger scale, I think it's important that we use basketball as a vehicle, and you know, we promote the university certainly and and its objectives. Um, you know, we obviously want to you know learn how to win, and occasionally, when it happens, lose with class and dignity. Um, you know, we want the players to respect each other, respect their opponents, and the environment around them. Uh, understand what they represent because it's a lot bigger than than just themselves and a and a team. It's it's a university and it's people and it's a very important you know message and 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 goal. And I think it's something that you know Coach Halpert obviously represented and and really did a an unreal job of over the last forty years was uh, was you know reaching that goal of representing the university in a certain way. And I think if we are able to keep all of those things. Uh, you know, in in our sites, and then go and win some games. We'll be doing. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll be making Nachum happy. That that's certainly something that we. Uh, you know that by making Nachum happy in the win column, I think you make everybody happy. Nachum's the biggest. Uh, the biggest, uh, you know, proponent of, of, of encouraging people to come. I certainly always love to bring my wife to the games because, unlike a Nick game, it's free and you can sit in the front row. Um, maybe a little less dunking, but uh, hopefully the same success um, for our teams uh, on that side of the ledger. So. You know, you have enough, you have a challenging a few weeks and months ahead. Um, will you be traveling anywhere, recruiting, uh, you know, to meet people? Is there, you have any plans to travel in the coming weeks? Uh, it depends, you know, on, uh, there's, there's a couple of guys that we're going after where we may go out to, uh, you know, West Coast or, or, you know, certainly Midwest to, uh, to have some meetings and, and recruit a little bit. Um, nothing right now is, is set in, you know, in plans. Um, uh, I will not, at this point, we're going to Israel yet, although we are recruiting a couple of players from there, which we're hoping will join us in the fall or, or certainly for the following year. Uh, but yeah, there's, a, there's certainly a lot in the works, um, and uh, you know, the travel plans for now are none. But you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll pick up soon, and uh, we'll be able to go, you know, bring some guys in. And if there are aspiring yeshiva um, basketball players out there somewhere, what's the what's the best way to get in touch with? Uh... With a coach of the Yeshiva men's basketball team, they can always email me. My email is easy. It's uh, Elliot D Steinmetz, E L L I O T D Steinmetz, uh, D as in Daniel, like your name, uh, at gmail dot com. So I'm, I'm always happy to get emails and, and talk to people. Certainly, uh, you know, certainly you know players or, or, or you know high school Yeshiva high school players who are who are looking to improve. Always happy to help. And it, and certainly, I guess if we bring. Uh, if we bring parents and whoever, um, if you want to come to the game and you want to meet the coach or you want your kids to meet the coach, um, that certainly is something that I would recommend. Elliot has been a positive influence uh, on my life. And I guess I would just close by asking, what um, are there any plans to go out in the community? Uh, obviously, the school year is coming to an end, but to go out in the community by, you know, as as the coach or with the players to kind of meet people in the community and uh, run clinics and do stuff for 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 students and for 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 kids who want to meet. Uh, real college basketball players and who want to learn uh, from you and from uh, and from the team. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we certainly have plans to uh, at some point in the near future open up a uh, a camp, hopefully at Yeshiva University. Uh, you know, the goal will be certainly to do some clinics in uh, in different schools. Uh, obviously, a lot of this is NCAA, NCAA rule dependent. Uh, once we figure out how we're allowed to go about it and what the you know appropriate ways are, we do plan to uh, run certain clinics. I'll uh, I'll be doing some speaking here and there, trying to uh, get out in the community a little bit and represent the school certainly in a positive way. So that'll also be uh, you know a a goal going forward and something that I've. You know, already got a couple of a couple of those coming up in the next uh, few weeks, and um, yeah, I mean, just the, the goal is for for everybody to get better every day. That's that's always the plan, and something that we certainly want to bring in terms of clinics to these schools, and 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 certainly to YU where we can bring in players, you know, throughout the course of the spring or or summer and and run our own camps. Well, that's certainly exciting. That's something uh, I guess I went with you to Camp Morrison, Camp Missouri for JV Elite, becoming uh, being involved in the YU basketball world certainly would have been. Uh, just as exciting, if not more. Um, amazing. We we both ended up in the same place. Pretty, pretty amazing. You know, you never know. All all roads I actually do lead, um, believe lead some way back to Yeshiva. Uh, some of us just find it earlier than others. You were here, and uh, and now you're coming back home, uh, so to speak. Uh, so, do you know when the first uh, game is yet? Do we have the first game set for next year? I, I think it's November 16th. I, I, I'd have to check the schedule. I'm not 100 percent sure. I believe it's November 16th, and I, and I would not be able to tell you off the bat who it is. So one, so sometime in the middle of November. So keep your eyes and uh, ears out. Certainly, I know that Nachum will be uh, promoting and Jamie the Ammon will be promoting uh, the season um, and the opening game and the games throughout. Uh, so, Coach Steinmetz, uh, before I let you go, just any final words that you want to give uh, to the community or to anyone out there listening, either about basketball life, Shiva basketball. Uh, I guess the floor is yours. Sure. I guess I would just say to the potential student athletes out there and 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 high school kids who are striving to play in college and, and certainly go to college and, and succeed academically. Uh, same thing I told the guys when I met with them last week. You know, you have, uh, you have an entire you know, off-season now, you have an entire spring and summer. Uh, find the things that you want to do, whether it's basketball, whether it's hockey, whether it's golf, whether it's schoolwork, whether it's a relationship that you're in. Find a way to get better every day at whatever you're doing. Uh, I think that's, uh, you know, really a key for success in terms of obviously sports but in school as well and life if you can find you know a way to improve yourself every single day in in your goals uh you know you'll find that at the end of the summer now and going into the following school year you'll have gotten a lot better thank you so much that was coach elliot steinmetz uh the newly appointed uh coach of the yeshiva men's basketball team and i uh i encourage um everybody to come out uh to to see the Maccabees, to see Coach Steinmetz, it's certainly going to be exciting. Um, so thank you, Elliot, for joining us, and I look forward to, to following the season and, uh, and to much success uh, this year and beyond. Thanks, Dan. appreciate it. You got it. Uh, so, again, that was Coach Elliot Steinmetz, and earlier we were joined by, uh, by uh, Coach Ira Miller of the Yeshiva uh, men's ten- tennis team. Uh, so because of Svira, uh, we are going to break with tradition of playing country music, and uh, this uh, month we are going to play a non-country song. Um, so today's song is Malachi Hamlachim by the Maccabees off of their brand new album, One More Day. Uh, if you can, as always, stop what you're doing and pause for four minutes and 20 seconds and take it all in. I will react afterwards. <laughs>
chatati lecha mecholi al kol peshay. Gam biyamim sheshachti otcha hayita tamid bechayay. Bechol adrachim shalachti betzem hayita liner leraglay. Hayiti ivel or hayiti mever nimashayi bituena. by the Maccabees. I chose this song for two reasons. First, the Yeshiva Maccabees and Maccabees in so many ways represent what we hope we can be, and that is Kiddush Hashem's. 
From the time we are infants, we are taught that as Jews we represent something more and that our actions have the potential to sanctify or harm the name of God in his place in this world. When I see, hear, read about the Maccabees and Maccabees, I am inspired to be like them, to carry myself in a way that sanctifies God's name and brings pride to our entire people. Second, I think the message of this song is one that each of us struggled with. At some point in our lives, we drift from God, and the question is, do we drift too far to come back, or do we realize that God is always there, no matter what? Moreover, perhaps as often as every day, I think we all take for granted what God has given us, and that's only natural. Since my last show, I became a father to the most beautiful little boy, Afram Uri Shlomo. If I ever needed a wake-up call of what God does for me and gives me, witnessing the birth of my first child and partnering with Aviva and raising him is the only reminder I'll ever need. So this month, I hope we can all realize that we are the children and the servants of the Melech Malachi Hamlachim, the King of Kings, the Master of the Universe. While we don't always realize or really mean it when we articulate it, we owe Hashem everything. And whenever we can, it's certainly appropriate to thank Him for everything in the good and bad times. So Hashem, today I turn to you and say, Toda al Chayim al Osher al Pechi al Tzok, Gam Kishe Kishe Lifamim Gam Az Elokim. God, you're never far from me, no matter if I know it or not. And thank you for everything. So you have been listening to The Stunt Show on the Nacham Seal Network. I'm Daniel Gordon, and as always, thank you for making us a part of your afternoon, week, and month. Coming up next, it's Throwback Thursday. Uh, join Nacham tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 a.m. at Heels Jam in the AM live here on NachamSeal.com and on 91.1 FM. Make sure to tune in and see us joined by Malcolm Holmline for his weekly update. Thanks once again to coaches Ira Miller and Elliot Steinmetz for joining me this month. As uh, if you forgot, Melech Malchei Hamlachim by the Maccabees uh, was this week's uh, song, was this month's song. I'm off of their brand new album, One Day More. As always, I welcome your honest feedback and comments at DanielNachamSeal.com. I mean it when I say that I hope you have gained something from this hour, and I hope that this show will gain its inspiration and content from you, the listeners. It is only appropriate that this month, uh, when I was joined by two great coaches in their own right, uh, that I close with yet again my favorite quote from the late great Jimmy Valvano basketball coach and founder of the V Foundation for Cancer Research, an inspiration to so many. There are three things in life we also do every day. Number one is laugh. Number two is think. And number three is have your emotions move to tears. Could be happiness or joy, but think about it. If you laugh, you think and you cry, that's a full day. That's heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special. That's how I try to live my life, and I hope this hour has been as special for you as it's been for me. See you next month. Goodbye.